This is the SEO Mindset Podcast with your hosts, Sarah McDowell and Tasmin Sullivan. This podcast is for SEO professionals and each week with the help of our wonderful guests, we discuss the important stuff that actually affects our careers and progression, but sadly often doesn't get talked about. You know, the invaluable soft and interpersonal skills that are often taken for granted, such as the skills we need for listening, time management, communication, and more. We also talk about the big issues that affect us and our careers, such as burnout, imposter syndrome, self-belief, saying no, plus other big issues and obstacles. With this podcast, we want to share knowledge on topics that unlock our listeners' true potential and enhance not only their careers, but all parts of their lives. So are you ready to prioritize your own personal growth and career development? Then let's crack on with this week's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the SEO Mindset Podcast where we aim to help SEO professionals um, optimize not just their careers but their whole life. Um, Today I'm joined by the wonderful and very sparkly, very sparkly as I've often seen her, Julia Panazzo, um, to learn about a topic that I'm really interested in. I teach a little bit about it but I definitely want to learn more and that is the topic of neuroplasticity. Now, Julia is an in-house director of customer acquisitions for a global marketplace, and she's a freelance uh, neuromarketing consultant. Before her digital marketing days, she obtained an MSc in cognitive neuroscience and clinical neuropsychology and worked in academic research, um, and, and she's published internationally, She also has obtained a license to practice as a psychologist. These days, she uses her background in neuroscience research to explore what drives customers to trust and to buy, how do they process information, and how do they make um, decisions. I've often seen her speaking. She's a regular speaker. Um, I think I've seen her at Women in Tech and at Brighton, where she talks about customer behavior um, and search and data analytics. Now, before we dive into the topic that we're going to discuss, a few reminders for everyone on how they can support the podcast. So if you're enjoying what Sarah and I do, you can go onto the website and either do a one-off donation via the buy, Buy Me A Coffee link or you can follow us on what people are still calling Twitter, although we've been, you know, although they've rebranded, it's still called Twitter in our, on our website. Again, the link is in the website. Um, but now I'm really keen and eager to get on with today's episode. So, Julia, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. Um, I'm well today. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Um we we first spoke this Brighton, although I've seen you a few times presenting, and I was really excited to to get you onto the podcast and talk more about the topic that you spoke at Brighton. But in general, neuroplasticity, because it's something you hear um, that it's a really good thing and it can really help people, but maybe maybe it's just the term can feel 
um, a bit too scientific, a bit not re- maybe not relevant. So I'm really excited about talking about it. So why don't we dive straight in? What is it? So neuroplasticity is a fancy term to refer to the um, uh, ability of the brain to uh, reorganize or to rewire uh, as a function or like as a consequence of learning, uh, experience, uh, and sometimes um, after injury as well. So uh, it can be uh, functional neuroplasticity. So when, you know, the brain changes the function of the neurons, basically, uh, or it can be structural neuroplasticity. Uh, where you have actual reorganizations of the areas. So, for example, um, I don't know, musicians or bilinguals have like um, higher gray matter density in certain areas dedicated to those activities as a result of experience. So it really is maybe a daunting term for many, but it it is a superpower that we all have and we might not even realize. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to be talking about it today. Okay, so... Um... I, maybe it's just me, but I'm going to try and keep this as simple as possible. Even what you just said right now blew my mind because it was okay. What what does that what does that mean? So you're saying that the brain can learn, continues to be able to learn new things all the time. Is that is that essentially what it is? Yes. So if we take it from the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, from like you know, um, our very early days obviously the nervous system is in continuous development and especially in childhood and when we're kids we're um we're just like bombarded by a lot of stimuli everything's new so we grow a lot of connections um and as we develop as we you know use some connections more as we learn a certain language for example we go through a process that's called synaptic pruning Uh, which is when some of those connections are lost. Um, Basically, the ones that are not used are lost so that the brain can more, um, you know, can be more um, adaptive and can be uh, more functional, more effective um, with the connections that we actually need. So, for example, there have been studies on how kids uh, up to a certain age, and I believe it's six months, um, can appreciate all of the sounds of virtually any language. Uh, but then if they're exposed only to one language, then they will react more to that one language, to those sounds. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, as we proceed with age and as we get more and more, um, you know, specialized in one language or one activity, etc., it doesn't mean that we don't have the space for anything else. Um, we can always learn, we can always experience new things, and the brain will learn um, how to reorganize um, its functions or its structures in order to uh, adapt for those new activities. And I think right now it's quite um, quite nice that you know we live in an age where uh, lifelong learning is accepted, <laughs> which wasn't a thing, you know, back in the day, uh, and it's also encouraged, but. A lot of the time, we tend to um, to just limit this to physical activities. You know that you can go to the gym, you grow some muscles, like if you do repetition of certain exercises. And the same goes for the brain. If you do exercise certain connections more, then they will be um, they will be more prominent. They will be uh, more used. It's basically like creating a highway for um, certain thoughts or certain behavior as well. 
So yeah, it's like I could go down, you know, uh, a massive rabbit hole um, here. But yeah, there is like a lot of examples of this, even in, as I mentioned, musicians, for example. Um, I remember uh, back in university, I was running um, a research and we were using um, TMS, which is transcranial magnetic simulation. And it's basically, um, it's an instrument that goes onto the scalp of the participants. So we were putting like this massive coil onto the scalp and we needed to find the motor area in those and relevant to a certain muscle of uh, the hand in the participants. And I remember that it was so much easier for guitarists or musicians because it was just like so much more reactive, uh, which was really cool. Um, and that's also being like demonstrated in uh, bilinguals, for example. Bilinguals, as compared to monolinguals, have more density of gray matter, so more neurons um, in the area um, corresponding to uh, you know, language functions. So yeah, there's so much um, more to learn about neuroplasticity, but these are basically the, um, yeah, the basics. Okay, so I'm going to go into a little bit of a rabbit hole because for my own, um, for my own selfish reasons here, we'll go back to um, more more um, professional rabbit holes. Though I grew up in a time where people didn't retire. My grandfather didn't retire, even though he formally retired, he carried on working, which meant he, you know, he moved to a different country. He was supposed to go to Australia to retire. He then then went on to founding another business, which did really well. And I am wondering whether that then helps with your mind health, with your brain health, as opposed to these days where Getting, you know, being retired is a goal and being able to retire early is a goal. What then happens to your mind? Yeah, so I think it depends on how we mean retirement, because a lot of the time we think about retirement as we want to stay on the beach forever and, you know, like not doing anything all day. And that means that, you know, in that case, for sure, it would have a negative impact on our cognitive abilities because we're not stimulated. So that's the reason why they say that you should always sort of, um, yeah, exercise your mind um, or doing like, I don't know, crosswords and Sudoku because, you know, you keep your muscle, you know, your memory and cognitive abilities exercised. Um, it has been shown as well, even when with retired people, how um, cognitive abilities are, you know, changing as a function of what they do during the day. So how stimulated they are. So, for example, uh, people in a care home, um, they have two different groups or like, I don't remember if it was two different groups or two different care homes, but to some of them, um, they gave nothing to do all day. And to some of them, they gave a plan to look after. And the ones that had the plan to look after because they were more stimulated and they felt like they had... Also, they had like power to do um, more with their time. Um, they had increased cognitive abilities or like less reduced, I guess, cognitive abilities than the, the other groups. So definitely like the more stimulated we are, um, the more um, neuroplasticity comes um, to the rescue of our cognitive functions. However, I think we need to make a, um, 
how do you, a caveat. Um, a lot of things all at the same time can also be detrimental because neuroplasticity is um, promoted by, you know, all the things that they tell you to look after. Um, sleep, for example, diet, exercise. Um, it's also been uh, shown to be increased by uh, musical therapy for example. So there's a lot of things that can promote it, but definitely like keep being stimulated even like when we're in a retirement age. Mm. Uh, it's definitely one of those. Okay. So neuroplasticity, how can it be helpful in um, some, so this whole podcast is around how to make people's careers and lives better. What tips would you give on how neuroplasticity can help in that space? So, uh, in the professional and personal setting, I think um, we tend a lot to focus on like the development of new skills, which is great, or the development of new physical activities. Um, but we don't focus so much on our own uh, behaviors or uh, internal thoughts. And um, I ran a study um, for my last Brighton SEO on professionals um, and feelings in the workplace and these professionals came from different industries uh, it covered a wide range of ages um, and it was um, it was striking how much negative feelings can affect and are prominent uh, into the industry right so neuroplasticity can help with emotional regulation and to change those negative thoughts um, and as a result behaviors as well because we have um we we do have these these thoughts that we don't necessarily like give too much weight on but because of the way the neuroplasticity works because of you know all of the repetitions of these negative thoughts that might be oh i'm not capable enough oh i hate my job etc or like i don't want to go in today if you keep repeating this to yourself then basically like it's a highway to like um to that negative thought uh, to those negative thoughts so it's at the basically how conditioning as well works because you know um yeah the pavlovian conditioning example when you have um a dog being conditioned to the sound of a bell and developing like um, um i don't remember how it's called in english jesus now english is failing me um but they have like um uh, rea physical reactions to the sound of the bell because they expect food uh, and the same goes for us if we condition ourselves to a certain thought and behavior then it just like becomes more and more automatic whereas we need to make sure that well first we need to acknowledge that we have power over our thoughts um, and then that we we need to make sure that we use that power in order to change our behaviors as well so one of the things that I came across as well, and it's an old model, to be honest, because it's by Albert Ellis, and I believe, and he's a cognitive psychologist from the 80s, I believe. Um, and it's a model on emotional regulation and how we can use um, exercise, you know, or repetition to change our thoughts. And when I checked with, like, when I run my study, um, I brought up that model because it's the easiest one at the moment that everyone can can look into. Um, it's called ABCDE. It takes um, negative thoughts as a result maybe of, you know, um, a bad experience. Um, and it trains you to challenge the beliefs 
um, or your negative thoughts and change them into something else, change them into something constructive. So um, that's like where, where neuroplasticity comes uh, into play because we don't even realize it. But by exercising ourselves to challenge our beliefs, then we create these alternative highways that doesn't go directly to the negative thought, but goes to hmm, what if instead this adverse uh, situation puts me in a position to do something creative and constructive about it. Um, so yeah, definitely neuroplasticity can help uh, in a professional setting with um, uh, emotional regulation, uh, creativity as well, because um, we just create new things instead of going to the same connection. Um, reduce cognitive declines, with, with, which we've seen um, is working across um, our professional, our personal life as well, uh, and resilience as well. It teaches us not to give up in front of hurdles. So yeah, I think there is a lot to be learned uh, in the professional setting as well. Okay, so um, we're going to take a break in a little while, and I'd like to go through the steps of these, you know, the model you were talking. But before we do that, um, the two examples that you said, "I'm not good at this," or "I hate my job." Using those two examples, how can somebody saying, I'm not good at this, use neuroplasticity to get them to a place where they feel more confident about that thing? Yeah. So um, the first thing uh, would be isolating where that belief comes from. Um, why do you feel like you're not good enough? Um, do you have, you know, is it coming from a certain situation in a certain day or from a number of situations? Or is it coming maybe from other factors that might not even be related to your job? It might be related to the fact that you see everybody else and you perceive them being better than you. And as a result, you think that, you know, you're not good enough. And the way that we can use neuroplasticity and all the time that I use this term, like using neuroplasticity, it's implicit because we are using techniques which elicit neuroplasticity. But yeah, for like simplicity, we're going to keep it as that. And it's like um, disputing everything, like every belief that um, comes or every consequence that comes as a, as a result of that. So if you're feeling like you're not good enough, um, I think... So according to the model as well, one of the first things to do is gather evidence for that. Is it true? Like, what are the situations where, like, you feel objectively like you were not good enough? Were you not good enough to get into, I don't know, a specific program? Were you not good enough to get a promotion? Okay, fine. So you got your evidence. And has it always been the case? Like, has there been evidence of you being good enough for other things, maybe? So the first thing is doing that. And then you have to play a bit of, you have to do a bit of role play and disputing your belief. So, you know, when you go to a friend and you're like, oh, I'm not good enough. And that friend will be to make you feel better. They will try to challenge that if they're good friends. Mm -hmm. If not, maybe like you should change friends. Yeah. Um, but they will be, um, yeah. So, well, it's not, it's not true because, um, you know, there was this time where, um, you did this thing and you were definitely good enough. Uh, plus you're good at these other thing. Plus, I don't know. And they will try to, you know, create other pathways, create other ways that you see yourself. 
Um, and then final alternatives as well. Um, I mean, in this case, it's more like, it's more related to where the feeling arises from. Um, can it be because like, you're really not good enough or can it be because maybe you're like a bad manager like we have those mm-hmm. um it can be maybe because uh it's not maybe that you're not good enough maybe your communication skills mm-hmm. are not good enough and that's something you can change and when you isolate those um those alternatives as well then you can find a way to work on those things mm-hmm. and that gives you a feeling of control which is another really you know really important thing because um a feeling of lack of control gives you you know something that's called learned helplessness um has been shown in labs as well etc i'm not gonna go into another rabbit hole because we would be staying here Mm -hmm. until tomorrow um but um on the contrary though if you feel like you have control over your thoughts and your behaviors then you're more prompt to take an action on them um so yeah, this is it in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, all right then. So I'm going to um, push you a little bit more on on that topic, and then we'll take a break. I hate my job. Now, we we certainly are not saying that every job that you go to will be wonderful. You'll have a great culture in the organisation. You'll have a wonderful manager. We have been. I certainly have been in a place of work which wasn't okay. And I used to feel the dread of going in um, to work because it didn't fit nice. You just, you know, forget about the actual work element, you know, everything else that went alongside it. How in that instance could I have used neuroplasticity to help me? Um, I wouldn't have been able to change my job just through the power of my mind. What would you have advised me in that state? I think in that case is like, again, like isolating what are the factors that don't want to make you go into work. If it's not external factors, then maybe like you have everything, you know, like you have a great salary, you have a great manager, the, you know, the workload's fine. Uh, the people are nice. It might be that it's not the right job for you and we need to entertain those thoughts as well. And while it's dread, dreading to do that because, you know, you open yourself to the opportunity, to many opportunities that you might not have entertained before, it's necessary because it might, it might be the lack of purpose that's what, you know, like that's, um, that is what um, is making you hate your job. Um, so something that comes from within, it might be that you're, um, you're destined to do something else mm. like that. You, I mean, I see that for myself, obviously I don't hate my job, like <laughs> full disclosure, like my job's fine. Um, I like it. Um, I do like, I tell my manager every day that one day I'll be running away with the circus though. Um, because like, I know that there is this creative part in me that has to have the creative release. And right now I do it other ways with like, you know, educating people on neuroscience and using my background because it's something that gives me purpose. Um, But I think in that case, yeah, it's more like looking within and being really honest with yourself um, because um, we, by creating these routines of going into work and also like living in a world that, uh, sort of glorifies the hustle and going into work at 5 a.m. Uh, and staying until 9 p.m. We're trained to think that that's the only way to success. Yeah. And that's not like we need to train ourselves 
to think that there's something else mm-hmm. by creating these alternative connections in our brain and thinking that success is related to how you feel as well mm-hmm. and to your purpose, um, your well-being. That's how you can use neuroplasticity to uh, address that thought. That's really, really interesting. Um, And I hear what you're saying about lack of purpose. So for the longest time, my world was tech, digital, and I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the company. I enjoyed the team. Everything was wonderful. But as I learned more and more about learning and development, that passion in me evoked. And I, I found opportunities within the organization to get more involved in that. And then suddenly I came to a cross path. Do I continue or do I take the plunge? And I decided to take the plunge partly actually because um, I wanted to build a life around my interests that would carry me further than the age of 65, which is when we we say, okay, we're going to retire then. I thought if I spend 10 years building the business, then even after 65, I can I can reduce the amount I work, but I can still be doing meaningful work. And in my, you know, I was telling someone at the weekend, I have no plans of retiring. I I can reduce, I can pivot, but I'm I'm not going to stop because every day I get to help someone. So why would you stop doing that? But um but it was only when I like you said, I love that phrase, need to entertain those thoughts that maybe there is a different way. Yeah, and I think yours is a perfect example. I remember talking to you after your Brighton SEO talk and like it was 10 a.m. and I was like crying my eyes out mm-hmm. um, because you were talking about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I still have like <laughs> shivers now or like mm-hmm. chills now to, uh, thinking about that uh, talk because um, it was about you like, creating a like another life for yourself mm-hmm. at the age of was it 54 yeah, or 56? it was 54 I'm 56 now so it's taken two years to yeah. sort of like really solidify what that looks like but for two years it was training exploring what are the building blocks of that new life so yeah 54 was when yeah. I started yeah and I found it super inspiring because a lot of the time we're uh, even like because of lack of time or like lack of energy we just go to the path of le- least resistance yeah. we just like go with the flow whatever and I feel like a lot of us uh you know got into our career this way really myself included mm-hmm. um I just went with the first job that came up and then happened to be good at it because you know like I wanted to learn so I just became good at it um but there are so many other ways uh, to use our time and to, um, yeah, just like, um, find the purpose, mm-hmm. uh, obviously like making sure that you can also survive through the month, mm-hmm. but if we can channel those, um, uh, those sort of, uh, skills and thoughts and, uh, com- yeah, creative creativity, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and channeling into a job, then that's like the ultimate goal because you don't even need to, uh, you don't even feel the need to retire at that point, as you as you mentioned. Yeah. That's been really, that's been great conversation so far. We're going to take a short break, and then I'm really eager to learn a little bit more about the ABCDE model, because it sounds super simple, but I've got a feeling there's a lot of depth to it. 
Me and Tasmin have some very exciting news. You are invited to an evening of authenticity, empowerment, and connection. We're doing a live podcast, The Importance of Being Authentically and Unapologetically You, on Wednesday the 24th of April from 8pm until 11 at Projects The Lanes in Brighton. That's right, we're recording a podcast in front of a live audience. Come and join us and our guest speakers for a very important conversation about embracing your true self, why it's important and strategies you can implement. It's absolutely free to attend. There will be pizza and drinks courtesy of our amazing sponsors. During the live podcast, we'll have a Q&A session where you can join in with the conversation, ask questions and share your own insights and experiences. You'll also have the chance to connect and network with fellow SEO professionals. So whether you're attending Brighton SEO or happen to live or be in the area, this is the perfect event for you. A huge shout out to our sponsors, Systrix and Stat Search Analytics for their generous support. And let's not forget to thank Silicon Brighton for helping us organize this incredible gathering and projects for providing the perfect venue. This event would not be possible without you guys. So what are you waiting for? Click the link in the show notes to secure your tickets now and don't forget to help us spread the word and tell your friends we shall see you there hey sarah here from the seo mindset just a quick message to say if you would like to support the podcast if you love what me and tasman are doing then please do head on over to the seomindset.co.uk forward slash donate i'll make sure there's a link in this episode show notes and that will take you to our buy me a coffee page so here you can buy us as many coffees as you like to support us so each coffee is a donation and also you can leave us a message um, so that will make it easy for us to give you a shout out also if you would like to reach out to us maybe you want to say hello ask us a question request a shout out um maybe you want to come on as a guest uh, we have twitter yes so again if you head on over to the seomindset.co.uk forward slash twitter again i'll put a link in the show notes um, that's how you can reach out to us both me and tasmin um, so yes thank you very much SEOs and marketers, you're going to like this one. I want to tell you about Wix Studio, the platform that gives agencies total creative freedom to deliver complex client sites while still smashing deadlines. Let's start off with SEO. It's at the core of Wix Studio, baked into every edit, update and action you take. Best in class defaults, automations and bulk actions free up time and you can customize at scale for more control. With Wix Studio, you can say goodbye to endless plugins and hello to native integrations with Google, Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, TikTok, and many more. And on the creation side, you can efficiently bring your most ambitious projects to life thanks to smart design features, flexible dev tools, integrated business solutions, and seamless workflows. Even after clients take over, built-ins like automatic redirects help sites stay optimized for long-term growth. 
Speaking of growth, you can track every campaign against client KPIs and automate monthly emails to share learnings with clients. All this backed by fast, resilient infrastructure that's built to scale. Get started with Wix Studio today at wix.com forward slash studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this really interesting discussion on neuroplasticity with Julia. So, Julia, tell me more about the model you were talking about. Yeah, so uh, the ABCD model is a a model developed by um, a cognitive behavioral psychologist uh, called Albert Ellis. Um, And I found it really useful uh, when I came across it the first time. So I'm just going to share it as it is. Um, It's a model that's that's helpful to challenge negative thoughts and to transform it into uh, something that we can make use of um, for like, you know, constructive behaviors. Yeah. So um, the ABCDA model is made up of five steps. The first one being A, adversity. You need to identify what is the adversity that makes you feel the way you feel. B is the belief. So what is the belief uh, that, you know, like, for example, we talked about it later. Oh, I'm not good enough at this. C, the consequence. Um, what do you feel and do as a result? If you don't feel good enough at something, you might not put yourself up for other opportunities, for example. And this is helpful. Already these three steps are very helpful um, to sort of detach what is uh, our belief from what is the truth, because we don't see clearly when we're talking about ourselves um, or when we think about ourselves. We just like see our belief and we take it as the absolute truth. However, we need to detach them in order to be able to do the following steps, which are um, the disputation um, and the energization. Uh, So the disputation is made up of other four steps. It's when we challenge the belief that we isolate it. So I'm not good enough. We're going to talk about all of the way that we can um, falsify that belief. So we gather evidence, for example, we find alternatives to that thought. So is it maybe that it's not that I'm not good enough, but I'm not in the right environment to thrive? Um, What are the implications of me feeling like this? Because for example, as we mentioned, like it's also part of the consequences. Um, if I'm not, if I'm feeling like I'm not good enough, I might not put myself up for other opportunities. I might decide not to use my time to find what I'm good at, etc. And finally, is it u- help, uh, useful? It's not because a lot of the time our negative thoughts block ourselves and they become so overwhelming that we cannot think about anything else mm-hmm. and we might even stop doing what we like. So. This is like the big step, the disputation. That's the one where neuroplasticity is involved the most because we are reframing those thoughts and we're recreating those cognitive connections in a, in, yeah, in a way that makes it easier for us to, um, to think positively about the situation or think constructively about the situation. And the last step is energization, which is, you know, as a result of this disputation exercise, we might feel and we hopefully feel ex- uh, energized to take the steps in the right direction so for example if i found myself then it's not that i'm not good enough but it might be the not the right job not the right environment not maybe i'm not good in a certain aspect of my job then i take the step to i don't know improve my communication or improve my 
technical SEO skills, for example, mm-hmm. um, and so on. So that's the model in a nutshell. That's actually very, very useful. And I think um, I'm actually going to write that down somewhere where I can see it every day because what it would, I'm imagining it would do was um, take the emotion out of it so you can start actually logically um, walking through your um, your thoughts on it and getting to a better place. So, no, I think that's really useful. Yeah. Um, I think what we'll do is it will find, or if you could send me a, a really good link to this study and then we'll add it to the show notes so people can have a bit more background on that. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. All right. So we're, we're you know, running sh- shorter time because we took so much time before the break. I want to end with um, this. What else should we know to to enable us to um, harness that power of neuroplasticity in our day-to-day life? I think um, more than no, we need, because I think we know already, but we don't make use of it. Okay. It's a knowledge that we have this superpower and that's a lifelong process. And I know that a lot of the time, you know, we kind of become lazy and we're like, well, I've always done things this way or even for behavior, for example, you know, we tend to justify not only ourselves, but even other people and be like, well, it's always been this way anyway. Or like, you know, we, we tend to find ways to justify the lack of action mm-hmm. in certain um, aspects, especially when it comes to behaviors and thoughts. Um, and I think what we need to take into account is that these can be applied at any age. Uh, if you want to change your thoughts, your behaviors, it might be more difficult in adulthood because just because it's like, you know, um, there's sensitive windows uh, in childhood where it's more like the brain is more receptive to certain things. Um, but we can change everything that we want in adulthood as well. Um, I even like I think there was a study on taxi drivers and throughout their entire life as a taxi driver, they develop more and more gray matter in um, the hippocampus, which is, you know, the area for uh, spatial, uh, spatial recognitions and memory. And this is so interesting because it shows you that you can have um, you can have that power at any age and you can exercise it at you know, everywhere you are, um, whatever is your situation. And even if you have, you know, sometimes we feel like we can't because we're struggling with other things. And I understand that. Um, but plasticity has always, has also been, you know, um, shown uh, as a, for example, to, to help with um, physical recovery. So if it has that power over physical recovery, it can definitely have that power over your mind. So make sure that um, you learn a bit more about yourself, about your um, mental schemes, about your automatic thoughts, and try to challenge them because you can, and that will change your life potentially. So again, um, you know, we've talked about this before. I spoke about it at Brighton, self-reflection and analysing yourself, giving that yourself that time and space to think about why you do what you do, um, what you would like to do, what sort of things you're thinking about is, uh, you know what, like you said at the beginning, people to get better go off and do a new course to learn new skills. But often what's left um, un- unlooked at is within and, and how we're functioning. 
Yeah. And I think especially now, and uh, Petra, um, who spoke uh, as well at the um, at Brighton SEO, had a really great, um, uh, really great presentation on that. But um, these are skills that might be replaced in the future, whereas your soft skills mm-hmm. and your emotional intelligence are something that will stay and that you cannot always um, reinvent in order to adapt to the new world. Because that's what it is. Neuroplasticity is the ability to adapt to new environments, new challenges, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, everything else. Now, a great talk that she gave as well. Um, in fact, that was that session of three was my favourite session of the whole of Brightness here this time. <laughs> okay, so oh, so um, all right, we've come to the end. Is that your key takeaway, or is there something else that you want people to take away from this episode? Um, I think that was my key takeaway, really. Uh, just remember, this is your superpower. Uh, you don't need to wear a cape or anything. You have your brain at your disposal, so make sure you use it. Brilliant, lovely. Um, what's the best career advice you've ever received? So um, it wasn't even like advice um, in that sense. I, I think it was um, an advice in disguise. So um, I was massively scared of speaking like in company calls client calls everything uh you wouldn't tell now because like now nobody can shut me up um but yeah it was like i was terrified and i remember as part of my um professional plan um my manager told me look just do a presentation on whatever you like and then you just present to the company and everyone was so good at seo that I didn't want to do an SEO presentation. It was like, no, 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 it doesn't need to be an SEO presentation. Like literally do it. If you want to do it on Pokemon, do it on Pokemon. And I didn't end up doing it on Pokemon, but I ended up doing it in neuroscience, which was, oops, and which was, um, you know, something that I studied and had been at the back of my brain forever because I graduated, got my license in psychology and then had to find a job because I moved away. So um, I just like... I think that was the trigger for me to start thinking about my career differently, which now comes so naturally yeah. because, you know, I I see myself not only as an SEO professional because that's a skill that I have, but I see myself as somebody who has experience and expertise in neuroscience and can um, merge the two uh, into something that's more creative. So, um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily advice, but I think that helped me so much in finding a direction for myself that it's I found it really invaluable and that was 2019 so it was a long time ago now so um you know being able to speak about a topic that is passionate to you so one know what's passionate to you yeah and I think it could be like if we wanted to um, summarize it it's find your authentic self Uh, don't be everything that everyone else is no. because, you know, there is one of you, so embrace Absolutely it. Absolutely wonderful. Um, who would you like to give a shout-out to from either within the SEO community or further afield? I think within the SEO community, uh, the Women in Tech SEO, Yeah. Uh, because um, I found so much support there when I was starting out thinking, you know, like talking about neuroscience, because that's something that I'm super passionate about. But I always felt a bit, you know, yeah, a bit unsure because I'm like, will people like it? Mm. Are people even interested in? And I always got just support 
um, not only about you know my speaking opportunities, but also my um, yeah, just like my professional life. I got so much advice, or even like reading um, some of the challenges that other people were facing and reading the replies that were there. Um, yeah, it was great. And then uh, Arij, because uh, she put up a community building um, court yeah. uh, earlier in the year. Yeah. And I, I participated and I was like, because I had this idea, you know, I've, I've been so lost back in the time when I finished my, my studies and I couldn't really f- find my place either in academia or in the industry. Um, so I created mine, but it took me so long because I had nobody to confront myself with. So um, I created a community thanks to that court as well, because they gave me the tools and like mm-hmm. the information to start out. Um, exactly for those people that have studied uh, neuroscience and psychology and don't really know where they fit in order for them to be exposed to opportunities in the industry, particularly, and then maybe like in academia, but that are like less related to research. Uh, so that they can start exploring those journeys. Because I, th- I think a lot of the time uh, I've heard that people just don't sign up to study psychology because they're like, well, I don't find a job, like I won't find a job later. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much you can do. And there is, you know, it's not necessarily like very advertised. So, yeah. yeah. Um, if I was able to do another degree, it would be psychology. One day. Yeah, I would do it. Like, I would do it twice more oh, wow. uh, that was like if I ever regretted a choice that was not one of it <laughs> like I would go back in a thousand years and still do the same choice a lot of passion spilling out there if somebody wanted to reach out to you what's what's the best platform to find you on so um I'm all over the place really um LinkedIn I think is the easiest one so I'm Julia Panozzo on LinkedIn otherwise Twitter uh, I'm called sequence and search. Um, I'm sure it's going to be tagged because like <laughs> on the, yeah, it's quite um, hard to find if you don't know where the capitals are. Yes. Um, and then I got a website called uh, neuroscientific.com okay. um, where I post my blogs yeah. and where there are my contacts as Wonderful. well. Wonderful. We'll um, link to all of those when this episode goes live. So, yes, people find you. So, look, thank you so much um, for this. I've had a great time. I know that you and I will carry on discussing this topic even offline, but thank you for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with our guests. And um, a quick wrap-up from me. So, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if anybody would like to support the podcast, there's various ways you can do it. One is the one-off donation via the Buy Me A Coffee link, which is on the website. And also following us on Twitter. Again, the link is on our website. Julia, thank you again so much. Thank you so much. I had a great time. SEOs and marketeers, have you checked out Wix Studio, the new web creation platform agencies are using? 
With Wix Studio, you get best-in-class defaults and automations, native integrations, and smart, flexible tools to deliver complex client sites at scale. Even after clients take over, built-ins like automatic redirects help sites stay optimized for long-term growth. Speaking of growth, you can track every campaign against client KPIs and automate monthly emails to share learnings with clients. All this backed by fast, resilient infrastructure that's built to scale. Get started with Wix Studio today. Check out wix.com forward slash studio.